Well, make sure you're you're getting into the business for the right reasons. Uh, I would say don't chase the dollar signs. Don't get involved in an opportunity solely because you believe that you're going to make a fortune. Uh, if you really don't enjoy doing what you're doing, uh, it's pretty easy to give up when you run into some roadblocks. And... Hey everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Journey. I'm your host, Devin Miller, a serial entrepreneur that's uh, grown several startups in the seven and eight figure businesses, as well as the founder and CEO of Miller IP Law, where he helps startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. If you ever need help with yours, just go to strategymeeting.com and we're always here to help. Now, today we have another great guest on the podcast, Brian Winch. And to give you just a, a bit of a background, so Brian in uh, 1981 was uh, 21 and was working a full-time job as a shipping receiver. Realized he didn't want to do that forever, did a bit of self-reflection. Um, also, at that point, he was reflecting on his dad that had passed away that was a janitor and did a lot of side hustles. One of the side hustles he did was uh, cleaning up some litter um, uh, by buildings. Always kind of stuck in his head and wondering, kind of thought, would there be a business there? Started to dive into that, build a business around it, stuck with it, and I think for 40 years, and you'll have to correct me if I'm wrong, it seems like that's what I have, but that's a long time, so that's awesome, and uh, scaled up the business and uh, did it uh, with uh, or built an army of people, has uh, built it into a, a full business and going from there. So with that much as, uh, as an introduction, welcome on the podcast, Brian. It's great to be here, Devin. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So I uh, gave kind of that brief introduction and uh, kind of walked through, but take us back a little bit to graduating from high school, doing your shipping receiver job and how your journey got started there. Well, you know, you're right. It, it, it has been 40 years since 1981 and uh, time flies when you're having fun, I guess. But you know, <laughs> back then, you know, the, one of the first uh, part-time jobs I got uh, while I was in high school was working at this large sporting goods company. And, and I, actually, I worked the sales floor and uh, selling sporting uh, equipment. And uh, when I graduated high school, um, um, I started working there again uh, on a full-time basis, and uh, but uh, they moved me into the shipping receiving department, and uh, I did that for a while, and I didn't mind the job, but I couldn't see myself doing that for the rest of my life, and, you know, seeing as I didn't have a college education, I realized my uh, opportunities for advancement in the company weren't that great, so uh, I started looking at, you know, what could I do for myself, and, um, you know, I, I always wanted to kind of you know, work for myself at some point. I, I re remember when I was five or six years old, uh, instead of just the lemonade stand, like a lot of kids uh, tend to have, uh, I instead grabbed some of my younger brother's toys and cleaned them up and put them on a card table in front of the house and started to sell them. And they were too happy with me. But uh, I, I, you know, I made a few uh, bucks there. And my parents, I think, were kind of impressed, you know, with me showing the initiative at such a young age. So, uh, so yeah, I, I, um, I was looking at different opportunities. I, I barely graduated high school. I didn't have a lot of money in the bank and, and not a lot of skills other than what I had kind of learned from working in the, the retail business for a while. And uh, I, I had that memory of my, my father who had recently passed away back then, um, always doing something on the side to supplement the fam family income. And, and yes, he, you know, he did clean up litter from uh, the outdoors or the outside of a commercial property, a small strip plaza in the neighborhood. And he'd taken me along with him a couple times. 
And all we did was just walk around the property, the, the sidewalks, the parking lot, the surrounding landscape, and sweep up any litter material into our litter collection tools. And in just a matter of minutes of the time it took to walk the property, we were done. And, you know, he went to work and I went to school. And, and so I thought, you know what, I, let me see if there's a market for this business, you know, a, a full-time, uh, I could turn this into a full-time business. And uh, that's how it all got started. And I, you know, I, I, at first it was just something on the side and, and it was learning from the school of hard knocks. I had to learn all the things you need to do to start a business and to market the business and how to deal with customers, provide customer service. And once I got comfortable, um, you know, I, I was doing very well as a one man operation, but um, decided to scale it up to, uh, you know, where we hired people. And But one question, now let me just dive in and just one question before yeah. you scale it. So, you, you know, I get you, you have the idea and said, okay, you know, I, I can't see, I think a lot of people have been in there where, hey, I, I don't mind my job. It's not a bad job. It's not one where I can see myself doing it in 40 years or those type of things, or I can't see it being a long-time job. And so you started to say, now, what can I do alternatively or different? And so, you know, I definitely uh, commend, you know, that. And, and not only to saying, hey, I don't want to do this job, but actually taking the steps to do that. Now, as you say, okay, you know, first of all, figuring out you didn't want to do that and then figuring out, hey, here's one thing that my dad did that I think was a good idea that you see if there may be a business there. How did you go from that to actually building a business? Meaning, did you walk around to the strip malls and ask them if they wanted to be your clientele? Did you send out in those days, you know, the little postcards in the mail and say, hey, here's my business? Or kind of how did you start go from that being an idea to actually build or starting to build a business around that? Okay, you know, no, that's that's great. Um, so uh, I recognized when I got started that my clients, uh, my prospects were property management companies, and not the individual businesses or stores that make up every commercial property. So and, and my dad, I remember him talking to his client uh, a few times, and, and I remember seeing the business card, and it was a property management company. So, you know, I, that much I knew, and then I, I got from my, from my dad. So, so what I started to do with the test the market was just, uh, you know, the internet of the day was the big fat yellow pages telephone directory. And, <laughs> and uh, I started thumbing through real estate management or property management or, you know, property development companies. And just started making cold calls and and refining my elevator pitch. And uh, I guess five or six calls in, um, um, the, the prospect indicated to me that, oh, this was a very opportune time for me to be actually phoning it because they were just having this discussion in the office that they weren't happy with the, the contractor they were using to clean the clean up their uh, their property. And would I be interested? And so I went out and I took a look at the properties and, and developed what I thought was a fair price and got back to them and uh, they accepted my proposals and it, it all started with those first three uh, uh, properties. So now, you know, so you go and you do that and you use the yellow pages and just out of pure curiosity, how, you know, what was the success rate of starting to look things up and go to them from the yellow pages, whether it's giving a call or go visit their property? Was it a pretty high batting rate or did you have to go to a lot of properties to find a few clients or kind of how did that work out? Well, I mean, every city, I mean, this is a niche service. So uh, every city only has so many property management companies. It's, hmm. it's not like, you know, you're selling pizzas and you've got a huge, everyone that lives in that, you know, vicinity of your, your store or whatever. So, uh, but the great thing about your prospects, uh, other than the fact that you know who they are, is they all manage a multitude number of properties. No, nobody gets into that business to manage one property. 
Uh, you know, they have a whole portfolio, it could be three, seven, 12, you know, 20, 27 properties. So, you know, once you get your foot in the door with one and they try you out and they like your service at, you know, at, you know, one or two properties, they try out, you know, chances are really good uh, if they like you and you, you know, you're, you provide great customer service that they're going to send more work your way. So you really only need a handful of clients, depending on how large you want to get your business. So, so basically, I was t- kind of taking this slow and slow and learning the business as I was going along and gradually adding more and more buildings and clients to my portfolio, to the point where I, I couldn't handle anymore just by myself. And so I had to make that decision. I mean, am I going to start turning down business? Hmm. Uh, or am I going to, uh, you know, get people to work for me and, uh, and then, you know, continue to grow. And, uh, and we did that. And as I gained more comfort in, in managing the business and operating it that way, we kept adding more and more people. And so we scaled this business from a side hustle to one that uh, initially brought me, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, about a hundred thousand dollars a year, just as, as a simple one man operation uh and to one that now where we're billing out um sometimes up to 700 just over seven hundred thousand dollars a year and that's only litter cleaning we we don't do any other cleaning janitorial landscaping snow removal any other services uh, other than just what we we specialize in now let me dive into just one other thing that i think is interesting and i had a question on which is you know it's looking back it always sounds easy oh yeah we we built it into a huge company and we you know we had we had to hire people on and everything else you know, at the beginning, it is a lot of times it takes a lot more time and effort and, and everything else that we oftentimes people don't realize. So as you're saying, hey, you know, first, you know, give us a bit of time period of how long did it take? How long was it a side hustle? How long did you get it to grow to where it was enough to replace your income? You moved over there full time. How long is it was it till you brought on employees and kind of how, how long how was that progression? How long did it take place? Okay, well, when I started this out, um, I was working, you know, my job still, and I, I had the opportunity. I think that's a great way to start any business is on the side or as a side hustle. Mm. Um, so, you know, you still have your full-time job to, to pay the bills, if you will. And so um, I, I did that for only about three or three or four months uh, and, as, and as on the side part-time, but I was making more money working part-time for myself than I was full-time as, uh, as a shipper receiver. So, you know, I did the math and I thought, well, you know what, this is crazy. Uh, there's only so many hours in the day. So I left my job and devoted uh, my time full-time to, to my business and continued to grow it so that um, I was working full-time and I was content doing that actually, because the whole reason I went into business was not to create some ma- huge, massive, huge empire, but it was to be independent and be able to do something I enjoyed doing and working for myself. But as I mentioned earlier, um, you know, I got to that point where um, I, I, uh, I, I either had to grow or start turning down business. And I, and mm. I just didn't want to turn down business. So then we brought people in, you know, maybe uh, one or two people to, uh, to work part time or full time. And, uh, you know, over the over the years, we continue to grow and we kept adding more people to working for us, whether it be part time, full time. And, um, you know, the business has always been growing at a pace that we are comfortable with. Um, and, 
and, and it was a learning curve along the way as well. I mean, I had to learn how to market it and, you know, a good elevator pitch. When you, when you get on the phone, you don't want to waste your prospect's time. You want to sell the benefit of your service. Or in, in our case, how we can give our, our clients a cleaner, litter-free property for less money. And and we start the conversation, you know, uh, we'd like to send you some more information and, and, and show you and let you know how we can do that. And so it, it's not a, a matter of where I, I even expected uh, when I first started out that I would get on the phone and, and bang, make a sale. And, and uh, um, but I had no sales skills. And I'd like to tell people a lot, a lot of times people say, well, I can't sell anything. But if you look at your past life experience, you've, you, you, you know, when you have to be a salesman, you definitely can be. I mean, when you were a kid and you, you wanted to raise in your allowance, you went to your parents you, you would sell them on the fact that, you know, why you needed that raise and allowance. And then when you got older, when you were dating, you had to sell yourself. When you were in your first job interview, you had to be presentable and you learned different tactics or skills to make yourself an attractive candidate. And you, you again, you had to sell yourself. So, and I think on that note, you know, oftentimes we make excuses as to why we can sell ourselves, right? In the sense that we'll say, oh, I'm not a natural people person, or I don't know how to sell, or I feel bashful about asking it. I think a lot of times the best way to get over that and to become a salesperson, if you think you're not, is just to get out and sell it, you know, go hit the payment, hear what they have to say. And you may bomb your first few sales pitches. You may absolutely walk away and they may laugh you out of the door, but you're going to figure out what they, what makes sense, what doesn't make sense, what works, what doesn't work, how to interact with people, how to what they're looking for, what to charge for it and everything else. And a lot of times the best ways is to get out and do it and overcome that fear rather than using it as an excuse to never go out and build anything. Exactly. And that's a good point. And, and I learned two things early on is, you know, you have to kind of plan your day and you have to kind of, you know, plan your week and say, I'm going to do or make this, these many calls today and follow up in the next week, etc. And, and just stick with it and just get it out of the way and do it. And it really isn't that difficult. I mean, whether it's my service or, 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 or whatever else, if you believe in your product or service, it's not difficult to sell it because you're not, you know, you're not selling really a product if you will, if, you, if this makes any sense to somebody, you're selling uh, what the, the benefit is and how your, 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 your prospect is going to benefit from doing business with you. And so it's a win-win situation. And, uh, and I think if you truly believe in, you know, what you're, what you're in business for, um, you know, it's not really, it's not a hard sell. You're, you're, you want to explain to the world or your prospects, you know, how you can, you know, give them a, you know, a better, uh, property, a, a better, cleaner property, or whatever the case is, whatever the product or service that you're, you're selling. No, and I think that I like that. And I think that if you really believe in your product, you know, if you're a founder, co-founder, you started the bit, if you believe in your product, it's really not hard to sell in the sense that you're not really selling people. You're just telling how awesome you think your product is. You should love your product. And you just walk in and say, here's what we do. And here's why it's great. And here's why I love it and excited. And, you know, in your case, and if I'm making it up, you know, hey, we love to, you know, don't you love to have a nice clean building where people come in and you can be proud of it. And it's not, you know, not run down, doesn't look, you know, look like trashy, but looks great. You know, and that's even what I found like on the 
um, loss side, one of the things that I do, and it's not by any means ground, or groundbreaking, but I send emails where I record a quick video and just interact with people because a lot of our clients don't come into our office. And as simple as that is, it's something that so many people don't do just because they're afraid to put themselves out there or sell it. And yet, you know, if you're just willing to take that little extra mile, do that extra little bit of sales and, uh, and just tell people what you're, you know, be that human and personable, then it makes such a big difference. So I, I like how you approached it. Well, and that, that's right, 100%. And I, and I just want to point out that I'm an introvert. I'm not an extrovert. I'm not a person where a lot of people think, you know, a natural born salesperson and the person just talks and talks. I'm not that person at all. But when it comes to talking about my service, uh, I get excited about it or, or my, you know, my product. I mean, I, I wrote a book which tells people how to start and operate this business in their city, for example. And I, I get excited talking about that. And it's not difficult to... To, you know, to explain the benefits of that product or service, uh, whether, you know, if you're an introvert or extrovert, it just, it comes natural if you really enjoy what you're doing. Exactly. So now, so now kind of taking us to the future, you know, or to the present, sorry. So, you know, you, you do this and you do it for, I think it was around 40 years and you grow the business, you bring people on, you know, you do all these different things. Now, where, you know, are you still doing it today? Did you sell it off? Did you wrap it down? Did you retire? Did you shift to something else? Kind of where did you, you know, as you built this business for 40 years, sounds like it's successful, like it grew, you brought people on, kind of where did you, where did that lead you to today? Okay, well, I'm still doing it because I still enjoy doing the work. Uh, but obviously, I, I you know, I, I've been doing it for such a long time, and I have other people working uh, for us. Uh, I've scaled back the number of hours that I do uh, the actual cleaning. But, uh, you know, I realized that this was a, a great opportunity for a lot of people out there across the country that, that you know, we're, maybe we're in my shoes, uh, you know, when I was 21 years of age, um, you know, and uh, they'd be, you know, looking at this opportunity, uh, maybe, you know, this is an offline opportunity, you still have to have some online skills in, term, in terms of marketing, etc. But it, it really is a simple business. And uh, if people are looking for an opportunity like that, I thought, you know what, why not write a book? Um, I looked at franchising. It, this is too simple to franchise, in my opinion. Uh, people are not going to want to pay ongoing royalty fees, franchise fees. So I wrote a book very similar to a, a franchise operations manual. It comes with my free support. And uh, I, I basically, you know, take you by the hand and show you, look at it. This is how this business uh, operates. And, and this is what you should do. And, and uh, if, if you need free support, it's my way of, um, you know, giving back to an opportunity that's provided so well for myself. And I really enjoy helping people get started and growing the business. What, what, and, you know, everyone's motivation is different. Some people just like to do it on the side, make a few uh, mm. extra thousand dollars a month. Some people eventually want to work for themselves. They want to leave the corporate world or, or leave their shipping receiving uh, job, if, like similar to me, and, and do this full time and feel good about the service they're providing in their community. No, and I like how, you know, you say, oh, this is, I can, and a lot of people say, let's franchise on that, but you're saying, hey, this is simple, people could do it, rather than exciting a large franchise fee, which they're going to come to regret, or it's going to create an adversarial relationship, let's give away the information, so to speak, for free, or for a book, you know, not completely free, but give them the, the tools and ability to go do it themselves, because, hey, there's plenty of opportunities, there's a large market for it, definitely think it makes sense, and I think it's a great way for people that are looking to make that transition to utilize it, so that kind of now shifts to, kind of, uh, I think, a good transition to, you know, to the last two questions that we have, because where we're now kind of in the present, as to um, shift to the questions I ask at the end of each podcast. 
So we'll jump to those now, which are the first question I always ask is, so along your journey, what was the worst business decision you ever made and what did you learn from it? Well, about four years in, um, my clients, you know, were so happy with the service I was doing, you know, cleaning their parking lots. I, I, I guess now looking back, it was pretty natural for them to come to me and say, well, what other services do you provide? And, and rather than stopping there, they would go on and start telling me, this is what I'd like you to do for me. Uh, I have a little piece of grass on the side of the building. Can you cut that for me? Oh, and I have a little sidewalk in front of the building. It's not much. Can you clear the snow for me? And we were afraid to say no. And, you know, there, uh, there's a lot of conventional wisdom out there that dictates or, or tells people that, you know, you know the customer's always right. And you always have to give them what they need, et cetera. And, and so we did that for, oh, I, I, you know, maybe a half dozen years. And we hated it. We absolutely <laughs> did not enjoy doing any of that work. And so we made the conscious decision of getting out of that. And to our surprise, we only lost maybe one or two clients. The rest of us had no problem. They said, well, you know what, we can find somebody else to do that. And, but we definitely want to keep you guys on, uh, you know, to maintain uh, our properties litter free, because we realize that's what you do best. And, and uh, that's great. No, not an issue. And so we, we learned, you know, to set boundaries and it's all right to say no sometimes to your, your uh, prospects or your, your customers and, and just say, no, this is what we do. And we specialize in it and we guarantee you, we will do it better than anybody else. No, and I think that's a good point because, you know, there, and I always call, I call it the contractor's dilemma, but I get, I have the exact same thing in IP law. I get anytime you get in the service industry because the, re, and why or I call it contractors, you always have, you know, if you ever built a home or done any construction, they're always taking on more work than they can realistically do. And they're always running behind schedule. They're always having delays, but it's the idea of, oh, I don't want to, if, what ends if work slows down and they've been through those feasts and famines. And when you hit the famines, you're always saying, well, I don't want to go through a famine again. So I'm always going to take on more work than I can reasonably do. And that includes taking on work you don't necessarily want to do because you don't want to go through those famines. And so then you can start to get into things where you just to your point, oh, I don't love this, or I'm so I'm always behind or I'm delayed or I'm not doing any number of things because you're taking on jobs that you don't want to do or that you don't are passionate about. And I think to your point, it's much better to, hey, we've got a good business. We focused in, let's niche down, do our a great job there and expand the business there as opposed to taking on the job that you're saying, hey, I just hate this or I don't like it. Yeah. This isn't where we do our best. So I love that as both the mistake you make because I think it happens all the time, especially in service industries, but it's a great thing to learn from. Yeah. So now we'll jump to the second question, which is if you're starting, if you're talking to uh, someone that's just starting out in a startup or small business, what'd be the one piece of advice you'd give them? Well, make sure you're, you're getting into the business for the right reasons. Uh, I would say don't chase the dollar signs. Don't get involved in an opportunity solely because you believe that you're going to make a fortune. Uh, if you really don't enjoy doing what you're doing, it's pretty easy to give up when you run into some roadblocks. And, mm. you know, uh, you can make excuses. Well, you know what? Uh, I, you know, it's not worth it. Um, you know, and you make excuses and try to justify, you know, uh, giving up on an opportunity if, if, uh, if you really don't en enjoy doing what you're doing. And like, for, in my case, I started out and I enjoyed working outdoors. I enjoyed, you know, a different routine kind of every day. I, I enjoyed, um, you know, feeling good and seeing the results of my work and, you know, leaving the, you know, the, the neighborhood, a community, a, a cleaner, uh, more litter-free environment. Um, and so I, I, when I would run into the roadblocks and, and inevitably when you're running a business, you're always, you're going to have good days and bad days, but it gives mm -hmm. you the power to struggle through and find solutions. And you know what? I, I'm not saying 
to people that, you know, you have to find the solutions yourself and just work for yourself. I mean, you learn to delegate, you, you know, at some point you can bring in a mentor or you, you know, you, you reach out to a law firm and you have the law firm, you know, take care of the legal aspects of your business. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we reach out to an accounting firm or a, a bookkeeper and et cetera, et cetera. And you, you, you develop over the number of years, a, a, you know, a stable of people that you can call upon for that specialized type of uh, assistance. And uh, so, so you're always growing. So that's the great thing about starting, I think, a business, in my case, as a side hustle, you develop those skills. Uh, and, and, and at some point, you know, if you just keep the business as a side hustle, and you're, you're always working your full time job, um, you're going to be a better employee, too, I think, from having a side hustle. No, I, I like all that. And I think, you know, the biggest thing that you hit on, I think we always tend to make excuses. And I've, I think I've mentioned it or chatted on the podcast a bit before, but, you know, we always have, there's always something in our life that we can give it an excuse for not getting started or not trying. And it can be, oh, you know, I just uh, graduated from school. I got to get it. I got to get a degree. Or if I got a degree, well, I got to get some experience with the big business first before I can do it. And then once you do it, you're like, well, I started to have a family. I had a, a wife or a kid or anything else. And now I can't, you know, it's not, I can't uh, put my, that at, at risk. And so then you wait a little bit longer and then you get farther and you're like, well, I've been working for the business so long. Now I, you know, I don't want to lose my pension or I don't want to lose my uh, retirement or anything else. And then, oh, I don't want to, you know, take that risk. And then you get old enough and when you could do it and you say, okay, now I'm too old. I don't, you know, I don't know if I have the, and you always can make excuses, whatever they are for reasons why you shouldn't get started. Why it doesn't make sense. Why the timing isn't right. And if you're forever making those excuses and you're never going to get to it and you're going to look back and maybe, you know, maybe it was a horrible business and horrible idea and you wouldn't have, it wouldn't have worked out. But if you never tried, you won't have that, you know, you'll never know. And you'll always look back and regret it. And a lot of times, even if you fail the first time, you can pivot, you can adjust, you can learn and do better from it. Exactly. And, you know, you're going to have failures. I mean, I've been in business for 40 years, but that doesn't mean I haven't failed. Uh, and so you have to have the, the, the positive outlook on things. You know, failures are basically just learning experiences or your, their lessons. And you learn yeah. what didn't work <laughs> and you try not to make the same mistake, uh, you know, uh, twice. No, I, I completely agree with that. So now, as we, as we wrap up, if people want to, they want to find out, you know, you have your book out, you, you had your business, you're still running the business. If they want to be a customer or their client, their property management that wants to use your services, they want to be, they want to start their own business. They want to be an employee of yours. They want to be an investor. They want to buy your book. They want to be your next best friend, any or all of the above. What's the best way to reach out to you to find out more? Well, you know, if you want to learn more about uh, the book, and you know, Clean Lots, America's Simplest Business, uh, I suggest you go to my website, uh, cleanlots.com. And there is a brief video on the homepage, about three minutes long, that shows me actually cleaning a property and how simple it really is. I, I like to tell people it's almost as easy as going for a walk, you know, if you use the right equipment, and that's the key. And uh, there's also a free... Uh, um, a report that you can download if you want, if you're, if you're not sure about the opportunity and, you know, it kind of guides you into, you know, finding the right opportunity for, for your, yourself. Cause every, everyone's different. Everyone has their wants and needs, but uh, yeah, cleanlots.com is, is the best place to, to check me out. All right. Well, I definitely encourage, I think it's a cool business. And I think it's one where a lot of people it's, it's one that's to your point, it's a simple idea, but a lot of people that could do it, they would enjoy it. It would give them an opportunity to do something different and uh, would be rewarding. And whether it's, I could see everything from somebody in high school, all the way up to a full-time job to building a multi-employee company. I think it's just a cool idea. So I definitely encourage people to check it out and find out more. 
Well, thank you again for coming on the podcast. It's been a fun. It's been a pleasure. Now, for all of you that are listeners, if you have your own journey to tell and you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, feel free to go to inventiveguest.com, apply to be on the show. Two more things as listeners. One, click subscribe in your podcast player so you know when all of our awesome episodes come out. And two, leave us a review so new people can find out about our awesome episodes. Last but not least, if you ever need help with patents, trademarks, anything else, feel free to go to strategymeeting.com. We're always here to help. Thank you again, Brian, for coming on. It's been a fun. It's been a pleasure. And wish the next leg of your journey even better than the last. Thanks, Devin. 